You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call it the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Woods, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Larry Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shaka King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Harvey Smith, Ike Arnold, Steve Arquette, Thomas Melton, Jim, and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. And I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and solid movie and TV recommendations for whatever ails you. Note, we are not real therapists and we are not real doctors, but we are real movie critics. So... Let's get to this week's letters. You want to read the first one, Kristen? Sure, Rafer. Our first letter is from Kimberly. Kimberly says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, my best friend died of cancer two months ago in the midst of quarantine. I am grieving her. And because of COVID, we couldn't have a proper funeral and I can't grieve with our other friends who love her. I've been listless and moody. I can't seem to focus on any movie or TV show right now except really bad horror movies. I've even watched the entire Tremors series. Dear God, help. Oh, boy. Uh, Kimberly, that sounds tough. I know another woman, a co-worker, whose father died, not because of COVID, but but because of all this. Um, she's in the same boat as you. She could not really have a proper funeral for her father, and I think it was really, really difficult for her. So this hasn't happened to me yet personally, but I, I do know some people that have had this happen, and it sounds it sounds really frustrating and uh, and very sad. Yeah, it does. Um, like you, Rafer, I haven't had this happen to me, but I have friends who this has happened to, and yeah, it, it's tough enough to lose somebody when you can go to a funeral and when you can mourn with other loved ones. But I can't even imagine how much tougher it is right now when you can't gather together and support each other in the traditional way. So, Kimberly, we really, really feel for you. Well, and I guess um, your tastes, Kimberly, running to horror, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I guess that sounds somewhat, <laughs> somewhat entertaining. <laughs> I'm going to offer a prescription that is uh, not in the horror vein, however. I'm going to prescribe a movie that Kristen may know. It's called This Is Where I Leave You 
from 2014. Do you remember this movie, Kristen? Oh, I remember it very well. I also read the book. It's based on a book. That's right. It is. Um, oh, well, you've got one. You've got one up on me. <laughs> it's what I would call a little movie with a very big cast. Uh, here's who's in it. Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Rose Byrne, Corey Stoll, Dax Shepard, Connie Britton, Catherine Hahn, Jane Fonda, and Adam Driver. So it's quite a lineup. And this is from a long time ago. There really isn't that much to the movie necessarily. It's about four siblings, the Altman family. They return home for the funeral of their father. And of course, old jealousies resurface, old flames pop up, the spouses make life complicated, and on and on. You know, it's a very simple go-to screenplay premise, right? Life event brings everybody back together. Big chill, uh, Rachel getting married, four weddings and a funeral. You know, it's been done. <laughs> But it's quite funny, I thought, and the characters feel very real. And you have this amazing cast that really boosts the material up a few notches in pretty much every scene. I'm going to play a clip of Judd Altman, played by Jason Bateman, uh, who runs into his old crush, Penny, played by a very, very good uh, Rose Byrne. Here it is. Judd Altman. Oh, my God. Is that Penny? I'm so sorry about your dad. I should have come today. I'm so sorry. I just have a thing with funerals. I'm always afraid I'm going to start laughing or bawling or say something horrifically inappropriate, so I just don't go, which is not a solution, but there you have it. Anyway, what's it been? Seven, eight, nine years? Something like that. Huh? Yeah. Hari said you came along. What happened to Quinn? You didn't split up, did you? Mm-mm. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why I Freak accent on the elliptical string. Goddamn but... antidepressants I'm yeah. on, you know? They just yeah. obliterate whatever filter I have. Mm-hmm. It's very embarrassing. She left me. I That's... knew it! Yeah. I fucking knew it! I totally uh, knew that. I'm sorry, but she I... She slept with my boss, so... Well, that'll do it. Yes, it did. Done. Right. And one reason I'm I'm recommending it to Kimberly is because... It's mostly just a comedy, but it does have this one fairly moving scene with Judd, who has been acting throughout the movie very casual about his father's death. But in this one scene, sort of near the end, he really gets to grieve. And I found that a really nice scene. So, Kimberly, you might find this movie a little diverting, and you might find it a little cathartic at the same time. Mm, I love that recommendation, Rafer. I really do. And everybody puts in a great performance in this movie, every single person in it. I just love so um, I'm going to recommend something a little different, Rafer. Okay. And this is because, Kimberly, you seem to have a bit of a sense of humor. The fact that you've watched the entire Tremor series tells me <laughs> something. <laughs> and I understand that when we're in mourning, um, I've, I've been in mourning before. Uh, my nana and my mother who raised me, they died within a year and a half of each other. And I got to say... I also wasn't watching the most complex, uh, challenging content myself. Sure. I went on a Golden Girls bender when one of them died and a Little House on the Prairie bender when the other died because I just could not focus on anything that was too challenging. So I want to kind of stick with the same theme you've been watching, Kimberly, Tremors, which is kind of comedy horror, and recommend a movie that is also now a TV series called What We Do in the Shadows. Do you know this, Rafer? Ah, uh, Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I really loved the movie. I thought the movie was really funny. I, I have to confess, I haven't seen the series, but the movie just cracked me up. It's Taika Waititi. Yes, yes, um, who I love so much, as well as the guys from The Flight of the Concords. Right. They are playing vampires who just are sick of each other. They are roommates who didn't vacuum. Somebody left blood all over the couch again after killing right. the last person who was here. It is 
such a kick, and you don't have to think too hard when you watch it. Here's a clip. Is Peter coming? Should we be great? Peter's 8,000 years old. We're not going to have Peter at the meeting. Okay, so I wanted to have a quick chat about flat responsibilities because, uh, guys, I think that we're not all pulling our weight here. We're not just pointing the finger at you, Deacon. You're a cool guy, but you're not pulling your weight in the flat. Oh, I'm glad to hear that I'm cool. No, that's not the point, though. Yeah, no, I know. Point. Not a know. flat meeting about how cool you are. I do my flat chores. No, you don't. No, you yes, don't. I do. That's why we're having the flat meeting. The point is, Deacon, that you have not done the dishes for five years. Vladislav is right. It's unacceptable to have so many bloody dishes all over this bench like this. I'm so embarrassed when people come over here. But what does it matter? You bring them over, you kill them! Yeah. Vampires don't do dishes. Now, Rafer, I've had bad roommates before. You've had bad roommates before. But when you and your roommates can never escape each other because you're vampires, there's a lot of good comic <laughs> moments. It's going to be funny sometimes. <laughs> and, and again, you do not have to concentrate too hard, Kimberly. You can just sit back and revel in it. You can enjoy it. Much like Tremors, you'll laugh a little bit. You'll be grossed out a little bit. You'll just have fun with it. And, you know, if it turns out that the movie's enough for you, that's fine. If you want more of it, there's that whole TV series, which there are many, many, many episodes of. And so, again, I am recommending What We Do in the Shadows. And Rafer, his recommendation was This Is Where I Leave You. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, are you in a predicament where you could use some questionable advice and a good movie recommendation? Write to us at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, which is RaferandKristen.com, and use the form there to send us a question. You do not have to use your real name. You can use any made-up name you want to. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Rafer Guzman and at Kristen Meinzer. Stay with us. When we're back, we have a letter from someone who wants to see people like herself just doing regular things. There is a corner of Los Angeles where dreams are brought to life. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. Made it by! Over the world! Where legends are made. Oh, it's alive! It's alive! It's alive! For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories. Tales of heroism. Villainy, betrayal, passion, tragedy, and triumph that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts. All right, we are back with our second letter of the week. This one comes from Shayla. Do you want to read this one, Rafer? Sure. <laughs> I'm going to feel a little funny reading this one, but here I go. Dear Rafer and Kristen, Black Woman here. I appreciate that you've shined a light on some movies that explore the history of anti-Black violence in America. I think it's important that we all watch these kinds of movies and discuss them. That being said, I also think it's important for us to see movies in which Black people and Black women in particular just live their lives and do things that all humans do, like date and have jobs. What are some of your favorites in this arena? Bonus points for those that may have flown under the radar. 
Ah, I love this question, Shayla. I love it so much because, yes, it is important that we see movies that tell the stories of important history and the facts of how Black people have been oppressed in this country, how they've been abused and mistreated. But it's also important that we see movies that are not just biopics of great Black Americans. And, you know, I I realized this a few years ago. I was looking at all of the movies I'd seen that starred Black people, and roughly three-fourths of them were biopics. And I'm talking everything from, you know, uh, Glory, The Great Debaters, Harriet, Selma, uh, Malcolm X, Hidden Figures. Right, right, yes. Yeah, and I have some empathy for this reader. I think partly, you know, I'm I'm half Mexican, and I also get um, a little tired of movies like that, movies that are biopics or movies that are showing just the difficulties of Mexican-American lives, the immigration problems, poverty, hardships. After a while, you know, these movies are important, obviously, but I do think there's time for important movies, and then there's time for fun movies, and I think that's okay. That's why one of my favorite guys on screen these days is um, Michael Pena. Oh, I love yes. that guy. Whenever I see him on screen, I think, I know that dude. <laughs> I, like, I feel like my own sort of like Mexicanness kind of coming out. I think like, yeah, 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 I've hung out with that guy. I know that dude. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand what uh, Shayla's saying. Yes, and with the added bonus of being a woman also, which, you know, most Hollywood speaking roles go to men. Um, I forgot what the statistic was from the Gina Davis Institute. I think it was like 80% of uh, speaking lines in movies are men. So add that to the situation too, then yeah, Shayla, I understand your desire for us to, you know, shine a light on some of the movies that just show black women being women, being human, being black, you know, just, just living their lives. I get it. So Rafer, what are you going to recommend to Shayla? Well, I'm going to go, I'll go first with mine. Uh, I think, Kristen, you might have a better one than I do. But my my suggestion is Think Like a Man from 2012. And I think this is a movie that maybe you and I saw together, Kristen. We did see it together. And I don't think you were with me, but I interviewed the cast also. So I will admit I have a little bit of bias because the cast are um, incredibly gorgeous and all delightful. And so um, I, I will say that I have a special place in my heart for this movie, but uh, let's tell the listeners more about it, Rafer. Sure. Uh, This was a pretty successful movie at the time, um, and I remember being really charmed by it. It it is just a straight-ahead rom-com with four storylines, something like Love Actually, but with a mostly black cast. This was Kevin Hart's breakout role. He plays the happy divorced guy. You've got uh, Taraji P. Henson. She plays a wealthy businesswoman. She's in love with Michael Ely, who is handsome, but he doesn't have any money. There's one interracial couple played by uh, Gabrielle Union and Jerry Ferrara, and so on. And, you know, this is one of these movies where everyone's just kind of you know, nobody is oppressed. No one's marching for civil rights. There are no big issues at play except for just kind of personal romantic issues. Here's a clip. Why would I be there when I should be here with the number one woman in my life? Did you just say number one? Oh, so you not believe in... Oh, hold on a second. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, excuse me. Hi. I need everybody's attention, please. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Um, My name is Michael Hanover, and I want you all to know I am madly and I am insanely in love with Candace Hall. And I just want everybody in the world to know that she's the number one woman in my life. Thanks, everybody. Now back to the reunion. 
Now, what's funny about this movie, Rafer, is it is based on Steve Harvey's self-help book. That's right. Act like a lady, think like a man. And, you know, you might think, oh, Steve Harvey writing a self-help book about how people should interact with the opposite sex? Is this really going to make for a good movie? (laughs) But I will tell you here and now, Rafer, I laughed my head off at this movie. Steve Harvey is actually in it, essentially holding his book up to the screen uh, yes. <laughs> I don't know, half a dozen or a dozen times throughout it. Yes. And every time he does it, it's like the movie's just owning it and laughing at the situation. They, they just, you know, they're not pretending there's something other than what they are. They're like, yes, we are based on a Steve Harvey self-help book about romance. Yes. And here he is again totally showing agree. his book to you. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And, you know, I remember that that book was uh, a little bit polarizing. I think I think some people thought it was a little retrograde, maybe a little sexist. And, you know, mm-hmm. the title the, the title had a little bit of a battle of the sexes, kind of men versus women vibe. But, uh, you mm-hmm. know, be that as it may, because the movie was a comedy, I kind of felt that it worked, you know, because men and women do kind of get themselves into these weird competitive relationships. And when we do that kind of thing, we deserve to be laughed at. And that's what the movie's doing. And I thought it did it very, very well. So listen, Shayla, you may have seen this movie. Maybe I'm doing other other listeners a favor by recommending this. But I, I really love this movie. And I, I always wish that it had spawned more movies like it. Mm. Well, it does have a sequel that's not quite as good as the first. And True. Um, Rafer, we're two for two, by the way, for movies that I've actually read the book of. That's right. And I'm going to say, in this case, the movie is way better than the book. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not that surprised. <laughs> the book is not so good. <laughs> okay, what about you, Kristen? What have you got? Well, the prescription I have for Shayla also includes Regina Hall, who's in your movie. That's right. Uh, Regina Hall, who I just think is terrific. Uh, Her movie that I'm recommending is called Support the Girls. It's a movie that takes place over the course of one day in a restaurant. Um, Do you know the term restaurant, (laughs) Rafer? Of course. Like a Hooters. Yes, yes. And in this movie, it's called Double Whammies. It is located along the interstate in Texas. They have an all-female wait staff that wears very tiny tops and even tinier, tinier shorts. The movie centers on Lisa, played by Regina Hall, who is the big-hearted, incredibly compassionate, very organized, very, uh, very smart general manager who tries to protect her staff, hold the business together, often under very, very tough circumstances that include sexual harassment and a potential robbery. Here's a clip. You know, let me just say this. Uh, we have a zero tolerance policy on it. You know, I don't mind calling the cops if customers commit the crime of sexual mm-hmm. assault. And trust me, I don't have to call far because you know what? We have a lot of officers who are regulars. And Officer Dominguez is a cutie, I think. Uh, But seriously, y'all, let me just say, the most important thing is that this is a mainstream place, you know, and it's a family place, which means a lot of families come here, and it also means that we're all family. And yeah, you're not, you know, you're not wearing a a whole lot of clothes, but trust me, if these guys wanted to go to a strip club, they know where to find them. They just come here so some sweet girls can take good care of them. It's like like working at, at Chili's or Applebee's, except it's more fun and the tips are way better. I'm hanging my head in shame. I have not seen Support the Girls. Oh, my gosh. I am so surprised because it is so critically acclaimed. It was. It is like one of the freshest movies on Rotten Tomatoes. And um, for good reason, it is 
such a smart movie. It shows so many different sides of our main character's life. Uh, it shows so many different kinds of dynamics about the workplace, about what it's like to be working class, about what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck, which most Americans do. It's just a very yeah. normal lifestyle for most people. And I just got to say, it's sad because as great as the reviews were for this movie, I feel like it was only in the movie theaters for about 15 minutes. Yeah, it was a really limited release. It came and went really quickly. Um, I can't remember what else was happening at the time, but um, I just could not get around to it. I just didn't have the the bandwidth, as we say. And I and I, it's one of these movies where I've been I've been really wishing that I could that I could see it because the reviews on it were so great. Yeah, it's just terrific. Definitely check it out, Rafer. And please, Shayla, um, if you haven't seen it, also check it out. It is really funny. It is really smart. At points, you'll just want to shake your fist at the sky and go, yes, yes, I know how this feels. All right. So once again, Kristen recommends support the girls. My choice was think like a man. All right. We're going to take one more quick break. But when we're back, we have our what should I watch next segment of the week. Hey, we're back with this week's What Should I Watch Next segment. And we have this letter from Megan. Do you want to read this one, Kristen? Yes, I will read this letter from Megan. Megan says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I've always been a big reader, and now being at home and not working, I have even more time to indulge in a great book. Lately, I've also enjoyed watching the movie after I read a book to see which I like better. So far, I've made it through the Hunger Games series and Little Fires Everywhere. Do you have any suggestions for a book and a movie or TV series to tackle next? Oh, that's a good question. I like I like getting uh, I like hearing from people who read. I've, I have to say I've I've only just gotten back into reading after a very long dry spell, not reading like almost anything for years. Well, that's because you had two very young children, right? For most people with young children, I don't know how they have time to read anything. <laughs> that could have had something to do with it. Yes, uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed um, <laughs> reading reading books. Uh, I just I read Normal People not that long ago, and I've uh, just been starting to dive into that series. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to know to know a book well and then to see the movie or sometimes vice versa to see a movie and then go back and read the book. So it's a good question. Yeah. And I'm curious, Rafer, you just mentioned normal people. Is that what you are going to suggest that Megan watch next or um, what are you going to suggest? You know. No, I'm only one episode into it. I just barely started it. Um, I'm st- I, so I, I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to handle that book. And, and knowing how it all kind of resolves, I'll be very curious to see what happens. So I can't recommend it yet. I haven't watched enough. I'm going to suggest a movie that um, I don't know, Megan, this may not be quite up your alley, but I'm going to take a flyer. I'm going to suggest Barry Lyndon from 1975, directed by Stanley Kubrick. And I know full well that when I recommend... Barry Lyndon to people, they have a tendency to, their their eyes sort of glaze over. <laughs> and then when I say that it's actually Kubrick's best movie, and I say it's better than 2001, they, they, they pick up their drink and go find someone else to talk to. But <laughs> I stand by it. I love this movie. I, I do. I love this movie. Quickly, it is the story of Redmond Barry, played by Ryan O'Neill. He's a young Irish hothead who thinks he's meant to be a gentleman. Um, he kind of makes a mess of things at home in his village. So he launches himself out into the world with a few coins in his pocket, and he has a series of adventures. But they're not exactly sort of fun, glamorous adventures, because the thing about this movie is that Redmond Barry is not really a hero. He's... Uh, 
not a great guy. He's an army deserter, a traitor. He's a card cheat. He marries rich and then treats the woman that he marries terribly. And eventually he winds up in a duel with his own stepson. So he's that kind of guy. Here's a scene from the beginning of the movie. Yes, (laughs) I'm telling you. Uh, And here's Barry insulting, of all people, an English officer. Heaven's name, what does all the row mean? The fact is, sir, the young monkey's fallen in love with Nora. He found herself in the captain mighty sweet in the garden today, and now he's for murdered in Jack Quinn. And I'll tell you what, Mr. Brady, I've been insulted grossly in this house. I ain't at all satisfied with these hair ways of going on. I'm an Englishman, I am, and a man of property. And as for this impudent young swine, he should be horse-lipped. Mr. Quinn can have satisfaction any time he pleases by calling on Redmond Barry, Esquire of Berryville. Barry sounds pretty wound up. (laughs) (laughs) He he definitely is. Well, his girl has been stolen, so he's very angry. Got it. Got it. Well, I got to say, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm hanging my head in shame here, Rafer, because... I have never seen Barry Lyndon. I think I'm the only film critic in the world who has never seen this movie, and I'm not proud of that. (laughs) That's perfectly fine. Um, You know, this was a bit of a dud on its release, um, even though it earned a lot of Oscar nods. Um, I'm not surprised that you haven't seen it. But I do think that a lot of critics have kind of started to come around to it. I just find it absolutely fascinating. All this time, I forgot to mention that it's based on the novel by William Makepeace Thackeray, which is also a great novel. It's honestly, I'm not sure which is better. I've, I've, I read the I read the book, but I, I feel like the movie is almost in its way better. It's just full of all these strange 18th century notions of honor and status and class and what it means to be a gentleman. And some of it kind of seems absurd when you watch it on the screen, but I always wonder, like, what weird ideas and social forces are determining the course of our lives now? Things that we think are normal that, you know, uh, 100, 200 years from now will look ridiculous. And I just, I love the way this movie looks. You will probably never see a more beautiful film. There are dozens of stories about the way Kubrick shot it using natural candlelight and modeling his scenes on uh, paintings from the era. And I think to me, the masterstroke of this movie is uh, it's a three hour, I think it's more than three hours, so prepare yourself, but it's a three hour movie that ends with a title card. It ends with a single sentence printed on the screen that sums it all up. And for me, this is the most literary of the literary adaptations I've ever seen. Oh, well, now I want to know what that title card says at the end. I'm not telling you. <laughs> you got to stay through all three hours oh, and seven God. minutes. <laughs> Oh, my God. That is such a teaser, Rafer. Such a tease. Ah. i got to figure some way to get you into, get you into the movie. Nobody, nobody ever wants to see uh, Barry Lyndon. Anyway, all right, Kristen, what about you? All right. I'm going in a completely different direction from you. I am going to recommend the great book by Lucy Maud Montgomery, the Canadian author, Anne of Green Gables, as well as the 1985 and 1987 miniseries starring Megan Follows. Have you seen these, Rafer? No, and I have never read Anne of Green Gables. I I just want to say I thought I deserved a lot of credit for actually reading Little Women. But um, Anne of Green Gables is one of those books that I just was, it just, it passed me by. Well, I think that you chose wrong. I, I might get some blowback wow. for that, but I just I don't. You're choosing you're choosing Anne of Green Gables over Little Women. Yes, I am. 
I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Gutsy. That's gutsy, Kristen. So Anne of Green Gables tells the story of an orphan girl named Anne. She arrives on Prince Edward Island in Canada to live with a middle-aged brother and sister named Matthew and Marilla. The problem is Matthew and Marilla wanted a little boy to help them out on their property. They're getting older. But, you know, they got a girl. They are not happy about it, but they give her a chance. And Anne comes to win them over because she has this crazy wild imagination. She has a very earnest temperament. She has a very kind heart. And she's also just very funny. Here's a clip. Well, what's your name? Would you please call me Cordelia? Call you Cordelia? Don't you think it's a pretty name? Is that your name? Well, no, it's not exactly my name. But oh, I would love to be called Cordelia. I don't understand what you mean. Cordelia is a perfectly elegant name. What is your name, child? And no more nonsense. Anne Shirley. Plain old unromantic Anne Shirley. Anne Shirley is a fine, sensible name and hardly one to be ashamed of. Oh, I'm not ashamed. But if you're going to call me Anne, would you please be sure to spell it with an E? What difference does it make how it is spelled? Makes a lot of difference. Print out A-N-N and it looks absolutely dreadful, but Anne with an E is quite distinguished. So if you only call me Anne with an E, I'll try and reconcile myself to not being called Cordelia. Very well then, Anne with an E. What I love about the Anne of Green Gables series also is that not only do we get to know Anne and her quirky, funny, kind of overly dramatic ways, we also come to know all the oddballs of the small town they live in on Prince Edward Island. There's, you know, the nosy neighbors, the funny friends who she gets drunk with, oh. the boy who initially pulls her pigtails and who she eventually falls in love with. And it is just a delight getting to know all of the characters on the island. And it's also great to see a female character who's incredibly outspoken, who's very brave, and who, it's implied, had a very rough start in life. Um, it's very clear, especially in the book, that she was abused. She was passed around from family to family. She was very unloved. And there's something wonderful about watching her land in a place where she actually is loved eventually and gets to reach her full potential because of that. Because sometimes all you need to you know, get to the next place in life is a little bit of love and just one or two people to believe in you. And Anne goes all the way with all of that love that she gets. It's such a joy to watch. I highly recommend it. Kristen, did you say this was both a 1985 and a 1987 miniseries? Yes, because it's um, two parts. The first part of the miniseries was in 1985, and then they did a sequel that was in 1987 with several more episodes. So it's many episodes. So, Megan, when you are wow. watching Anne of Green Gables, you'll have many, many hours of entertainment. You'll have, you know, the entertainment of reading the book, but you'll have many hours of watching pleasure as well. Oh, so look at that. We, we recommend the two classics. Uh, Kristen recommends two miniseries based on Anne of Green Gables. My recommendation was the possibly pretentious Barry Lyndon by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I guess that's it then for this week's episode of Movie Therapy. I guess it is. Uh, listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out if you need some questionable advice and solid movie recommendations. We are at RaferandKristen at gmail.com. And again, don't hesitate to visit our website, which is RaferandKristen.com. There's a contact form there where you can send us your questions. You can see pictures of us. You can learn more about what Rafer and I do when we are not reviewing movies. All of that is there, again, at RaferandKristen.com. And please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tell your friends about our show. It really does help a lot. 
Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Rafer Guzman. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>